Hello, ladies and gentlemen of Civ Classic. I am Warm Wizard, host of Box Talks. This is a new podcast I decided to create. If you don't know who I am, I used to be the reporter of Box News, a YouTube channel that reported on what was going on in Devoted and CivX. Due to some real-life obligations and the closing of CivX, I decided not to play Civ Classics for a while. I created this podcast with the goal of getting to know members of this fine community and using that to show what is going on in the server. This podcast will also be available on Google Play and iTunes in case if you are interested in listening on those platforms. And go ahead and follow this channel so you can see right when the next podcast is uploaded. For this episode, I want to focus on the war that just started a few days ago. This war does not have an official name, but this is the conflict between the Commonwealth and Lexington. In case of you are not familiar with the Minecraft server Civ Classic, this is not a basic roleplay war between two groups for fun. This is an all-out, resource-driven war between two groups of people with different ideologies. Unlike most RPG servers, there is a form of death in Civ Classic. There is a plugin called Prison Pearl. What this does is when you engage in combat with someone and you have an Elder Pearl in your hotbar, you can kill them and they will be trapped in the Pearl. They will be in the end and they cannot escape until freed from their Pearl. This is important because there are actual stakes here. If you get pearled, you cannot participate anymore until you are freed. So, back to the conflict. This all started not too long ago. Lexington and the Commonwealth were on decent grounds. They were not allies, but they helped each other out. They had a common enemy they wished to destroy, the Big Dogs. The Big Dogs were a group of raiders using alt accounts to continue their raiding quests, and they were pushing havoc onto the Commonwealth. Centralin put time and effort into building that bunker, and she felt the destruction of it so immediately, without notice or letting her know, was unjust. She voiced her concerns on the subreddit, and this was the major cause of how this conflict started. If you read the declarations of war from both sides, they will include other reasons, but this is the root starting point, or the powder keg that blew. War was declared on October 8, 2017. Since then, there have been nations taking sides in the conflict, with Anguish siding with Lexington and Hijaltland joining the Commonwealth. There have also been reports of conflict emerging, with the griefing of the Commonwealth and Obsidian, and Hijaltland managing to conquer resources from an alleged Lexington-related bunker in the end for the war effort. There have also been reports that show that Centralin has been banned from Civ Classic for an indefinite time. Today, we will have a special interview with the King of the Commonwealth. His name is Britain, and he will go into more detail on what is happening for this major war in Civ Classic and what the future may look like. Okay, here we are with Britain, the King of the Commonwealth. Uh, thank you for coming on to this podcast. Well, you're quite welcome, and I'm glad to be here. Well, that's great that you are. Now, let's go ahead and jump right into this. Let's uh, go ahead and start uh, knowing a little bit more about the Commonwealth. Uh, can you tell us some history about it? Uh, sure. The Commonwealth really started in 2.0. Um, it was in the minus plus quadrant, same as it is now. It was 
toward the center of the map a little bit more than it is now. I was a neighbor to the south. It started out uh, as what used to be called Fort Ironside, I think, and then sort of spread around that area to multiple biomes with different burrows forming in different biomes. Um, it was one of the most secure cities in 2.0 just because of the defensive structures that Commonwealth created. Actually, as someone who traded with them, it was a little bit of an annoyance at times, but uh, they did have the right idea about how to keep raiders out. Um, some of the major events probably in 2.0 were the the conflict between the world police and with Peter. Peter had, uh, had some resentment against the world police and was kind of helping construct a, an alternative vault and the world police came after Peter and the Commonwealth resisted. It caused a lot of friction for a long time. Um, in Civ Temp, Commonwealth was centered uh, more or less at the middle of the map. They became the trading hub for most of the server and really developed a, a versatile economy. It's something that we've not been able to recapture here just because things are a little bit easier to get really on the server. Um, when 3.0 finally started, Commonwealth started in Northeast Chijiko, or however you pronounce that. Yeah. Uh, it didn't really take off very well. There were some internal conflicts and things, and there were some people that just didn't quite fit to the the mold of what the Commonwealth was all about. And then, of course, 3.0 ended pretty quickly. And uh, where is uh, Commonwealth as far as, like, Civ Classic goes, son? Well, once again, we were uh, in the minus plus. Uh, we're... Pretty far south of the uh, prime radio or the equator, rather, uh, much much more so than we had been in 2.0, which is unusual in the sense that we get raided all the time, and and we've had this war with Lexington since we are quite some distance away from their claims. Okay, and uh, what is the political system like in the Commonwealth? Uh, what powers do you have as king? Well. In theory, the Commonwealth is an absolute monarchy, uh, meaning the king can do what he wants, but obviously that's not a very workable system for a game where things are voluntary and you can't make people do things that they don't want to do. So what I've seen as my vision is to create a constitution that outlines the powers of the federal government and then to create a legislature that I can depend on as often as possible to make decisions with the will of the people in mind. Um, there are several things that the federal government does that are outlined in the Constitution, and we try not to step on the toes of the people in the boroughs. The boroughs each act as their own autonomous entities in as many regards as possible, but there are just some things that have to be done on a national level, and that's really what the federal government's all about. Uh, what powers do you have as king, like making sure you're not stepping on any toes, I guess? Uh, well, it's up to me to declare war, to declare a cessation of war, uh, to form up, you know, armed forces, a defense, or, you know, possibly a, an expeditionary force if it came to that. Um, we also want to make sure that we control who comes in and out of the Commonwealth and anything that crosses borough lines like infrastructure. You know, the federal government has to have a hand in that, making sure that that's um, controlled, settling disputes between boroughs, etc., um, it's up to me to give consent to special legislators who are not chosen by the boroughs. And it's also, well, there are just several things that, you know, you need a, a rapid response in uh, to deal with the international community and some of the hostility that, we, that we've seen. 
And that's essentially why we chose a monarchy as the system of government here. As as a leader, what do you believe you have done to make the Commonwealth uh, better in Civ Classic? Well, I've only been king for a couple of weeks now. And initially, the problem that we had was we had a lot of uh, tension between the boroughs, between the old friends and the new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things that people didn't get along about because of, there was a sense that there were a few cliquish people from Westminster that were controlling everything. And I stepped up to take over the throne in order to ease those tensions and to make everyone get along better. I think that pretty much everyone um, likes me pretty well. I've been around since, you know, the beginning of 2.0. I ran my own nation in 2.0 that was a neighbor of the Commonwealth. I also don't live, you know, in Westminster, so I'm not seen as part of that, that group there in the middle of Westminster that was you know, trying to control everything. So I've been accepted by the larger population base of Southshire and also the industrialists because I started out as an industrialist myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are, do you have any ideas on to implement to help uh, have the boroughs come closer together between the old friends and the new friends? Right now, we seem to be in pretty good shape. Of course, you know, having a common enemy will do that to you. Very true. Um, of course, we want to make sure that everyone can travel freely back and forth, and we want to cooperate as much as possible on cooperative projects. But still, you know, I, I can't overstate the fact that each borough does have a level of autonomy and its own culture and its own political system within it if it wants to. Um, as a matter of fact, our legislators are chosen for the uh, national legislator by each borough. And that borough can choose that person any ways they see fit. You know, if one person wants to own a borough and everyone else there be an employee, that's fine. If they want to have a communist system, that's fine. If they want to have a democracy, it really doesn't matter. Each borough should fold into the federal system with its autonomy intact, but at the same time to cooperate nationally as a nation. I think that's really cool how flexible the boroughs can be. Um, What are some... What are some boroughs that come in mind as far as, like, different from the regular system, what do you say? Like you mentioned communists, for example. Well, in its beginning, I know Southshire had a bit of a socialist uh, stance. I know that there is some private enterprise in Southshire now, more so than there was at the beginning. Uh, Recently, we've added a borough called Florence, and it seems to me that a lot of those folks like to role play a little bit. Um Hexcore, for instance, is completely a corporation. It's huh. it's a company. Yeah. Um, Meditat is essentially a a pre-planned town that people can join and add to if they want to. Um, my own borough that I came from is Aaron. It's just basically a large factory. Wow, that's a lot of diversity. I think that's really cool. Um, so, what are some major struggles that the Commonwealth whether whether it's another version of Minecraft or or now uh, in Civ Classic, what are some major struggles that the Commonwealth was able to get through? Well, in 2.0, the, you know, the initial raiders who came through fairly regularly essentially destroyed Leo, which was the next town south from the Commonwealth, were completely shut out by the security systems the Commonwealth had. Uh, Commonwealth had the most secure shopping area, 
on the server. It had the most secure city on the server. No yeah, one really could uh, get in that they didn't want to get in. Mm-hmm. So that was a major struggle they've overcome. They've also overcome several times when there was political dissent, but you know, a core group of people who had shared interest in in making the right kind of nation to have the most enjoyment out of things. They've still hung together and they've still created something great up till today. Um, we can't talk about uh, some of the struggles without mentioning the triumphs, of course. Uh, what are some of Commonwealth's biggest triumphs uh, that have been achieved? Well, definitely the economy has always been the strong point of Commonwealth. In 2.0, there was shop side. In uh, Civ Temp, there was shard side. And currently, you know, we, we have shop side again, though it's currently under siege. But we very quickly developed industry uh, in 3.0 quicker, or I'm sorry, in Civ Classic quicker than ever, simply because the nature of the plugins and things like that allowed the people who knew how to make things very quickly get up and running and off the ground. And we, we really have a, the most diverse developed economy that I'm aware of. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about this most recent conflict. Uh, is there an official name yet for this war, or has it yet to be decided? I don't think that we have an official name for it. Um, we're, we're really busy <laughs> <laughs> watching course. watching the other side fight while we choose our moment to uh, to to take some ground back. They haven't really done anything that hurt us too badly, especially since, you know, the grief was removed a couple days ago. Yes. But uh, we'll talk mostly about we see it more as a terrorist action than a war at this point. And, you know, there are obviously identifiable people involved in that. And we'd like to see those people brought to justice. Um, if anything, the one thing, cause I was trying to, uh, coin a phrase or coin a term for this war. I was trying to go off of like the Lexington and Concord type of idea, you know, the battle of Lexington and Concord. Uh, maybe we can find a way to work that out. I believe those may have been on the same side at the time though. <laughs> yes, they were on the same side, but just a play on words type of thing would be interesting. Um, so Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about what ca- what caused this. What do you believe is the root cause of this recent conflict? Uh, obviously, I think the root cause is that Centralin or Centralin or however she pronounces her name, I've never spoken to her in voice yet. She's essentially, she sees the, uh, the entire genre as different than most of the rest of us see it. She thinks that she has to win at all costs to completely control the world. I don't think she would care if uh, there were only 10 people signed in as long as they all declared the fealty to her. Um, she's She was looking for an excuse to start a major war, and um, it's obvious that she's been grinding for resources with her town up until this point that she feels comfortable that she can uh, take on a large part of the server. Yeah, that does sound like... Uh that does sound like that would cause a lot of tension. Uh, so like, cause we understand that a lot of this started or kind of this idea started with the whole taking Centralin's bunker out of the Commonwealth. Uh, I remember seeing in the declaration of war, there were some other reasons like other root causes to it too, or at least other ideas. Uh, can you, label a bit another big example besides uh the bunker or centralin that you think could have caused this sure i can get into both of the things that she mentioned um as for her hostility toward the commonwealth um sashimi had 
theoretically admitted to snitching part of Lexington's lands, though she never requested that he be penalized or arrested or extradited. She just mentioned that she didn't like it, and it's not entirely clear if he was serious that he had done it. Um, the other thing was the bunker. You know, when we started getting raided early on, Lexington helped us out. They had a few people that came down and helped fight. And as part of that effort, they created a bunker within Westminster. And after the raiders were captured or, or pushed off, there were still a few lingering problems where some of the fighters from Lexington were harassing the populace, etc. Uh, one of them ended up being captured and you know it, it was a minor thing because he had uh, he basically stolen a lot of crafting tables which is sort of a meme thing to do but at the same <laughs> time at the same time it's still a crime and had to be dealt with appropriately because it, it wasn't once it was actually twice fair enough so after he had been captured one of lexington's fighters came in and basically to take him back and ended up getting chased around and centralin allowed him to access the bunker to hide from Commonwealth's justice system to basically keep him from being killed or pearled or et cetera. He was allowed into the bunker. So it was immediately clear that the bunker needed to go. Sashimi issued the order. Several people went ahead and took the bunker out. I think she's referred to a few times where some of our citizens questioned whether it was a wise thing to do so quickly without giving her enough time to clear it out on her own. But in the end, she was offered compensation for everything that was in the bunker, and she would not be happy with anything less than the pearls of the people who were involved in tearing the bunker down. Now, when by the time that she had demanded that, I had become king, and I essentially told her that, you know, it's not realistic to ask us to extradite people who acted at the behest of their king. We're just not going to do it. I offered her full compensation. I offered her safe passage to inspect the bunker to see what was missing. And that we would give her everything back that she wanted. But she insisted that if she didn't get the pearls of the people involved, that we were going to remain hostile. All right. Yeah, that I, I can see where all this started then, um, especially I learned a lot more detail out of that. Uh, so uh, dealing with this cause, is there anything you wish could have been handled differently? Uh, whether it's avoiding this conflict in general or something that the Commonwealth could have done to be more prepared or something like that? The main problem that I have, um, and it was before before I ascended to the throne, was that we trusted Centralin and Lexington to act differently than they had in the past. There's sort of been this concept that everyone's more or less agreed on that we treat people with a fresh start when a new server begins, that old crimes are forgiven, everybody gets a chance to change the way they play. And I think, and of course I didn't know exactly how involved she was with Knox and with various other things throughout the, the ages, but I think that it would have been wise to avoid Lexington altogether, to, uh, to basically shut them out or even, you know, maybe even Pearl Central and right off because she has just acted heinously on so many different occasions. I would agree, but uh, like the point that you made of the idea of not using like pre past like server actions uh, to justify your current actions, uh, that might have turned a lot of the server against the Commonwealth, I would think, because I think that's almost a universal idea that like I remember when Civcraft 3.0 was happening and 
uh, there were a few people that were doing stupid stuff in Devoted, so then other people went and pearled them in Civcraft 3.0. And I remember the subreddit being really mad about that, uh, that they did that, because that kind of goes against that idea of what happens in that one server should not affect another one. I agree with that to some degree. Um, I think that anything is a matter of degree, but you know, when you've shown over and over again that you're basically playing as evil as possible, that we don't have any reason to suspect that they'll suddenly change overnight. And really, she didn't even give us that much reason to think she was even pretending that she did. Um, I can tell you that I've always seen Devoted as a little bit different than the Civ genre. Um, TTK2's servers have always been more about civilization building devoted for one reason or another and it's not necessarily the plan of the people who run it they've always been a little bit more pvp oriented yes i'd agree with that uh, there's there's more of a desire to win at all costs on those servers than there is in the uh in the civ server line so i can see that crimes on devoted shouldn't necessarily carry over to you know to the civ server series but at the same time you know when there's just this tendency to constantly try to get around the rules to try to hurt people in any way possible we should have seen that coming will you use that philosophy for the future because there are plenty of people in civ classic that arguably did some pretty bad things in other servers um would you give that do you will you use that philosophy on those people also it really does depend on how how they act and how they present themselves and how severe the things that they did were. I can tell you that I'll never, ever trust Centralin again at any future point. She, uh, she basically called for Westminster to be more or less destroyed with, with reinforced obsidian, and I think that goes above and beyond uh, what a reasonable – what any reasonable person would even consider an act of war. Did you uh, see this conflict coming, like, from weeks ago? Like, did you see this happening? Uh, do you think it was inevitable, even? I think it was probably inevitable, given her worldview. But it was clear that there were some hostilities between the Commonwealth and Lexington. I've had to remind citizens, you know, just before the war started, that no, we are not at war with Lexington. The fact that someone deals with Lexington or has been seen in Lexington is not cause to arrest them or cause to banish them. We just simply were not at war. There may have been a, a, a state of cold war between the two nations, but there was not an actual war up until the moment that, you know, the raiders in, invaded and, and started destroying things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you... Did you predict this conflict eventually coming because you mentioned the Cold War? I honestly didn't. It was my impression that Centralin was happy with a, an extended Cold War. You know, there are benefits to having an extended Cold War. It does drive up interest in the player base. It keeps everyone a little bit on edge and being productive. It makes it fun to uh, to know that somewhere out there there is there is a great unknown enemy waiting for us. But I didn't I, – I, I honestly misjudged her character in thinking that uh, she wanted to continue that state or to, you know, ease into a war more slowly, if anything. I think that uh, using essentially what is terrorism to start a war, it's just not very interesting. Well, let's go ahead and go a bit more into that. So 
you mentioned this griefing and how you believe it's not a proper way or a proper act of war. Um, I know a little bit about what happened with the obsidian, but what makes you think that's not an act of war? Because personally, I see griefing as part of the conflict. Well, that goes back to my worldview on the civilization building aspect of it. Just to destroy something that someone else has built with no real tactical objective in mind, uh, to basically kill anyone that crosses your path, whether they're related or not to the conflict, I think that it it really does push the envelope a little bit. I, I can see where you know some people who are centered on war at all cost, they're PvP centric. They think that's okay, but I think that uh, you know we we've seen this same kind of aggression during the HCF conflict. And I'm not saying people can't come back from that. I expect to treat all prisoners fairly at the end of this thing, and we'll determine sentences on an individual basis. But, you know, the idea that you can just destroy someone else's city that they've spent a lot of time building for no good reason at all, I think it's just too much. You don't even, you don't see it as like an act of either demoralization or making sure that you take resources from the people that would use it for the war effort? Well, really, they took more of our, you know, they took more of their own resources to accomplish it than they took of ours. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, true. That's true. I didn't think about that. But as far as demoralization goes, I, I'm not sure. I think it kind of unites the, the nation around the idea that these guys are evil, you know, that they're they're bad people. They're unequivocally bad people. Um it does And maybe, the- maybe that's what they want. They want a good versus evil approach to the game. They want to be seen as as Hitler's army or something. I don't know. <laughs> it does get the rest of the server to feel sympathy towards you also. So that's a good bonus. Well, that's too. right. I mean, no, uh, you know, we've seen a few wars in, in Civcraft before. Um, just wanton destruction like that. It, it has occurred from raiders and griefers more than it has nation on nation. Um, so what is the basic strategy of the Commonwealth forces that you can reveal, obviously? Well, the main thing is, you know, it, it's obvious because they're they're still occupying Westminster to some degree or another that we're not going to just attack them on the ground that they choose for us. We do want to wait and bide our time and attack them on the ground that we choose. Eventually, it's possible that uh, there will be some attrition from their forces and possibly also their resources so we want to uh keep up the long the long war if we need to we can we can stand a siege we're not in a position where we can't produce um i think that we can wait them out and capture them one by one if necessary uh dealing with uh ban uh what effect do you think that will cause on this war it may not have a long-term effect on the outcome of the war except to anger her to a, to a new level where she may not be quite as calculated. Of course, you know, with this latest attack, it looks like she's throwing calculation out the window. <laughs> but it, it may anger her to the point that she's completely irrational. I, I do think that there is some issue there that I, I can't really define, but I think it could be exacerbated by the ban. Um she's always looked for a way to get around the rules and she's always looked for a way to justify it after the fact. And every time she's been defeated in that in the past, she's been extremely hostile for months on end after the fact. Um, 
I think that it may lead to a lack of organization in players on the ground if she can't field marshal them. Uh, we have kind of figured out that she did participate directly and as one of the people named. Um, I'm not sure how much effect that'll have. It, they may lose interest if they can't uh, they can't have their queen at their side. If things in this war could play out exactly how you would want them, how would it be? Well, we intend to capture every person who griefed the Commonwealth or is griefing the Commonwealth, and also the people who have been patrolling the area after the fact, trying to catch us off guard. Um, we could hand out individual sentences for each each of those people. If we capture Centralin, then obviously she'll be permaperled until the end of the server because she's just not rational enough to, to play with us. How long is Centralin's ban anyway? I've heard rumors that it's two weeks, but I can't say for sure. <laughs> I Now, this part might not be a part of the recording, but what was the cause to Centralin's ban anyway? Do you know? Uh, yes, I do happen to know. From my understanding, Centralin had full knowledge that an iron golem farm was being constructed, had been constructed, and was producing large amounts of iron, even though they were supposed to be disabled for the server. Mm -hmm. um, they then played that out to, after the iron, you know, they were made to recover the iron and, and give it back, basically destroy it or, or in some fashion remove it from their, their play. They complained that they'd spent a large amount of resources and time building it, that they didn't know that it wasn't supposed to be enabled. And they talked... Um, they talked the admin team into giving them some bonus materials to help make up for their time and losses. And then it turned out apparently that they had known with full knowledge the entire time that it was supposed to be disabled and they lied. They lied to the admin team trying to get something out of them and the admin team figured out that they were lying and thus the ban. Well, so moral of the story is here. If you're about to enter war, don't e-lawyer your way out of situations. Well, it did occur to me that, you know, maybe she knew that uh, the end was coming and wanted to have a last hurrah. Well, then she got exactly what she wanted. What effect do you think this war will have on the future of the server? Like, starting from a month and now, or heck, even a year? Well, other than, you know, people re-examining the concept of no crimes carry from server to server, I'm not sure really what it'll have. Um... It, it's surprising in the way that the nations have developed and their geography. Lexington would want to mess with the Commonwealth anyway. It, it's it's really quite contrived in order to start a war. Um, they have plenty of people or plenty of land around themselves. It's not a uh, not a, a matter of shortage or anything like that. Us war convincingly, we may have a period of peace uh, that should last for a good long while, hopefully, until you know the next group of raiders we have to repel. Okay, um, let's go ahead and go back to a little bit of the Commonwealth. Uh, so, if I were a new citizen, as in I'm trying to find somewhere to live, I haven't made any loyalty or dedication to anyone. Uh, why should I join the Commonwealth over any other group? Well, I don't know if you saw our ad in the uh, recent issue that uh, Dr. Oracle puts out. I have but not. The, the motto of that ad was the freedom to be 
who you want to be and the strength to live without fear. And that's essentially what it's about. Of course, you know, we do have some people living in a little bit of fear right now, especially if their home is in Westminster. But there are nine other boroughs that they can live in. And uh, um, a lot of those are, are going along just fine. There are a lot of nice places to live. And you can find a group of people that you like or a system of government that you like or a job that you like. There are a lot of great things to do in the Commonwealth. And I expect that will be the case when this is over. All right. Uh, well, thank you very much for coming on to the very first podcast of Box Talk here. Uh, is there anything else you want to say to uh, the listener uh, listening to this? Uh, just to be careful out there. There are evil people who will put you in a deep hole and keep you there for a very long time. And thank you for having me. There you have it, folks, from Britain himself on the Commonwealth and the war right now. Thank you so much for listening to the very first podcast of Box Talk. Today I uploaded the first episode since I was excited, but new episodes will air once a week on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Do you want to be on the next episode of Box Talk? Let me know in a PM either on Reddit or on Discord. My Reddit username is also WormWizard. And my Discord name is WormWizard, that's two capital W's, no spaces, number 0467. Just let me know you're interested and why you think you'd be a good choice. Also, are you interested in being the official sponsor of a Box Talk episode? We will say your brand name and a personal message from you in the Box Talk. Prices for an official sponsor is being decided, but it will most likely be in Diamond. Let me know if you're interested. Now, as always, I am Warm Wizard of Box Talk, signing off. <laughs>